Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Christmas character series is, uh, we'll do it tonight, we'll do it next Wednesday. And I want to start with the first chapter of Matthew, not so much because this is the text I'm going to start with to cover. We'll actually look to Luke first, but this kind of is a synopsis of what God does at this uh, juncture in history. So let's uh, pick it up with verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, and then we'll pray. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this evening. We pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, soften our hearts, that uh, you would speak by your word to us, your people. We would draw near to you. We know you desire to draw near to us. You drive out all the distractions of the day. Anything, Lord, that would prevent your word from accomplishing your will. We thank you for this time. May your Holy Spirit now fill this place. Fill me by your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the Christmas story, the coming of Christ into this world, is best summed up by the angel speaking to Joseph here, as we saw in Matthew 1, 21, where he says, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This was the whole reason Jesus came, wouldn't you agree? His birth was the first chapter in him bringing salvation to mankind. Subsequent chapters... Uh, would complete this work of salvation, or at least the telling of it. And those things would include his sinless life, his ministry and prophecy, his death, his burial, and finally his resurrection. Because without the resurrection, we have no hope, right? This is how God saw this finished work from eternity past. The Christmas story, well, it's part of the larger story of the life of Christ. Hence, his name is in the name, Christ Mass, right? Christmas. And we want to keep Jesus in this season because it's all about him. Jesus, he isn't a, he's not a character in the Christmas story. He's not a character in redemption, in salvation. Jesus is the story. He is the story. He's the totality His character, though, is what we desire and what the Holy Spirit facilitates as being formed in our lives. We model our life after Jesus, don't we? He is the one we look to. 
Even though a lot of people have gone before us, we really look to him. He's the perfection. He's the standard. But as flawed human beings as we are, God in his grace shows us throughout history people just like you and me that he has used to accomplish his plans. Aren't you glad he's shown us other people? We see throughout the scriptures and here at the birth of Christ the character God has developed in them. And it encourages us in our own growth and our own need to surrender. In other words, we're able to say, hey, if they can do it, they can be used like that. If they can have faith like that, so can I. We can look and say that. Well, Lord, you can do that through me too. There's not going to be another virgin birth, though. Some things aren't going to happen again. But the faith can be reformed in us. We can learn the same character traits. So our goal on these two Wednesdays is to briefly examine the character of these characters that were part of the opening chapter in the life of Christ. Now, for the sake of analogy, with Jesus as the story itself, we'll look at the key roles that God designed. Jesus is the story, but then there's these key roles inside the story. And you know the names. You know the cast, if you will, and where they fit. You've the shepherds and the wise men and Moses, uh, or Mary, not Moses, but uh, Mary and Joseph. And so you know where they fit in the story, but we'd like to re-examine what God was doing in them and apply the same godly character in our lives. We just want to look at the highlights of each individual and ask ourselves, how does this look in my life? We read from Matthew chapter 1 here, but turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Matthew 1 kind of gives that overview, but let's look at Luke chapter 2. And we'll start with uh, what I would call the starring roles. Mary and Joseph, the starring roles. Now, Jesus is the story, but then they have their roles within the story. They would have never thought of themselves to come into these starring roles. But we want to start with this starring role of Jesus' mother. Now, in Luke chapter 1 here, Luke chapter 1, it says in verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since 
I do not know a man. The angel said, or answered her and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now Mary, as you know, she was this poor girl from Galilee in the city of Nazareth, which is stated right here in the text. This area of Israel was not highly thought of. In fact, it was looked down upon. The wealthy and the religious upper crust of Jerusalem in particular, they thought of this area as undignified, unaccomplished, right? Unrefined the way kind of high society might look down on lower rungs of society. Not just in those days, that still happens now. Even when Jesus called the disciple Nathanael in John chapter 2, Nathanael himself said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, really? Have you been there? Have you seen Nazareth? Have you seen the Galilean area? God choosing Mary reminds me of when he chose David. You know, God chose David out there toiling in obscurity. Who, by the way, Mary descends from David, right? Same Davidic line. But in both cases, God had someone in mind who was off the radar screen. Maybe you're off the radar screen. To everybody but God, right? If, if you're saved, you're on God's radar screen, by the way. And if you're unsaved, you're on his radar screen to be saved. We call them pre-believers. I got that from Dr. Michael Hertz. Pre-believers. That's what you can believe about your unsaved family and friends this Christmas season. They're pre-believers. They are coming. That's just exercising faith. Just keep praying it. Who's going to get saved because of your prayers? That's a challenge for us to start praying. But Mary could have never imagined God would choose her, and yet he did. She didn't know it was coming. But why did he choose her? Well, the depth of reasons are only God's to know. He's the only one that knows all the reasons he chose Mary. But we have some general answers and clues to Mary's availability and her usability in the hands of God. That's what God's looking for, is usable tools. Psalm 1 tells us that blessed is the man or woman that delights in the law of the Lord. God blesses and delights in those that delight in him. Those that truly love God and delight in the Lord first have submitted and surrendered to his lordship and to his grace. Have you? I'm assuming most of us have. We're thankful for his grace, but we still have to submit to his lordship in our life. Mary checks this box, wouldn't you say? You can check that box for her. She's submitted to the lordship of the Lord. And what I mean by that is this. In order for us to be a candidate for a great work of God, and any work of his is great. Understand that. Not just virgin births. Any work of God is a great work of God. Whether it's widely known or hardly known. 
But there must first be a surrendered heart to the will and the righteousness of God. He's looking for yielded hearts, not resumes. He's not looking for resumes. He's not looking for beefed up religious resumes. The world looks for that. That's what threw Samuel for a loop. He was looking, where's David's resume? Now, spiritually speaking, we end up having one. He was like, what? Took on a lion and a bear. Does that count for anything? But no one knew that but God. David, he was called a man after God's own heart, wasn't he? I think the same could be said for Mary. A woman after God's own heart. She had a heart for the Lord. And God, he knows who loves him. Who is seeking him. Who is endeavoring to be a vessel for him to use. Mary was that person. She was that person. She was not unique in and of herself. There were perhaps other young Jewish girls that had the same godly character that could have been used the same way. Not perfection, but faithfully ready for God's use. That's what God was looking for. Now he can choose of a candidate pool, you're the one I want to use, right? I mean, why Moses over Aaron, right? Didn't they both have similar character? Yeah. God says, Moses for this role, Aaron, you for this role. But he chose Mary, even though there may have been others that had this godly character. But God chose her, and I'd like to look at six things we can learn from her walk in our own walk. If the slides were up, you would be able to visually see them. But picture, if you will, as I go through, you'll have to really listen well tonight. The first that I'd like to highlight is she was humble and unassuming. Humble and unassuming. The scriptures tell us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We know Mary was humble and unassuming, not because she was poor and her social status, that wasn't why she was humble and unassuming, but because God only gives roles for his glory to those who are humble, by definition. Is grace humble. If he's going to give a role like this, it's not going to a prideful person. So we know that God saw in her this humility. Look at her response in Luke uh, 134 here. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Not, her response is not this. Wow, are you serious? The king through me? That's not a response. Doesn't even really kind of look at the, the large, grandiose job that she's about to be given. She's just like, um, I'm not worthy of that, but my only question is how is this going to happen? Because me and Joseph are betrothed, but we've not been together. 
the only way she could think that could happen. Now, of course, God had other plans, but her humble spirit, God could see. The second thing, she had a heart set on God. God wants our hearts to be set on him. Set our minds on things above. Set our hearts on him. Look at uh, Luke 1.28 here, the 28th verse. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Those that highly exalt God will be highly favored by God. Say, I want God's favor on my life. Start to highly exalt God. Start to put him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. The other things will be added unto you and to me. That verse is either true or it's not true. It's true. If we highly exalt him, we will be highly favored by him. It doesn't mean that life will be perfect. It just means that we'll actually have God not only in our corner, but going before us and bringing up the rear behind us because we need his buffering on all sides, don't we? It's as if the angel saying, you've sought to know and please the Lord with your life. And the Lord has recognized this, and the Lord's well pleased by it. You're highly favored. You're blessed. By the way, Mary had a walk with God, and because of that, she understood the nature of God. The more You don't have to be an old saint for 50, 60 years to understand the nature of God. Our young people here tonight can know the nature of God as they walk with God. Many young people in the Bible did. She may have never considered God would ever come to her in this manner, but she also understood that God was not a respecter of persons. She didn't say, hey, um, shouldn't this be one of the Jewish elites down in Jerusalem? She had no issue with God choosing her status. She, understood, she didn't understand why or how it could happen, but she understood that God was not necessarily going to find this candidate that everybody else would look at the resume. She understood that God looks at the heart. So even though she didn't seek this role, she understood that, hey, if I'm way off the radar, that's kind of how God works. Number three, she uh, exhibited faith and believing. Faith and believing. Now, she had the most unique role in the history of motherhood. Right? There's never been anybody else that becomes a mom that has never been with a man. That's pretty unique. That wouldn't be the rest of the kids, but for Jesus, that would be the case. Look at verse uh, 34 and 35. The angel says, or verse 35, the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Power of the highest will overshadow you. That, that's never happened before ever happened since. This is only uh, for her. But she had to believe that this is how it was going to work. Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I don't know how this works, but let it be. 
let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to just obey. I'm going to trust and obey. People have this with all kinds of stuff. What if I tell the truth? Trust God. What if I, for the first time ever, I'm going to give first fruit giving to the Lord? Trust the Lord. He'll, he'll honor it. All of these things. What if he sends me to speak to this person? I won't know what to say. If he puts it on your heart, he'll give you what to say, right? We just have to go. She says, all right, all right, let it be. And whatever comes after that, you don't know what's going to come after that. Like, this is, there's no precedent here to say, well, let me look at how this was handled in the past. God told Moses, you've never gone this way before. Isn't that interesting? God told Moses, you've never gone this way before. In your life and in my life, God is going to take you places at some point where God says, you've never gone down this path before. But guess what I have? Isn't that good to know? Because every step in my life, I'm like, wow, I've never gone down this path. And God reminds me, I told Moses that. He hadn't either. He had lived a lot longer than you. He still hadn't gone down that path. But we have to have faith. And God said to Mary, you've never gone down this path, but I've seen it in eternity past, present, future. And she believes. Next um, on the list, a servant's heart. A servant's heart. She says, behold the maidservant of the Lord. She sees herself as a maidservant. She sees herself as just waiting hand and foot on the Lord. This whole model that Jesus washing feet, that's the way she sees herself. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? So she's someone who waits on the Lord. How about us? Would people characterize our life, say, that is a servant right there. That is a servant's heart, not complaining, not in it for the title, not to be seen, just a servant's heart for the Lord. Next, uh, she takes action and initiative. That's important. It says in verse 39, same chapter, chapter 1, Now Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. She entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. While we wait for the Lord to bring things to pass, maybe it's a harvest we're praying for. Maybe it's a healing we're praying for. Maybe it's a breakthrough we're praying for. Just to name a few things. There's many things in this room that you're probably praying for. But while we're waiting for these things to come to pass, we're to expectantly prepare for the next work of God. Right? While you're waiting, you can be getting something done in the moving forward. I'm not talking about running ahead of God. I'm just saying, Lord says, all right, this is going to come to pass. 
what do I, what do I want you to focus on during that time? God said, I want you to keep praying. Keep loving people. Keep serving. Keep reaching out. Keep singing. Keep worshiping. And you look at what she does. She goes to Elizabeth, her aunt here. Maybe God's saying to you and me, hey, go pray with somebody. While you're waiting for your own deliverance or harvest or breakthrough or whatever it is, go pray with someone. Go visit somebody. Go encourage someone. And by the way, if you're having a lot of fear, you'll end up getting encouraged in the going. Iron sharpens what? Iron. Go be encouraged. It's okay to say, hey, I, I want to come because I need to be encouraged. People that really love you would say, you should have said so in the first place. Go be encouraged. Go fellowship. Fellowship, by the way, always involves that quantity of the Holy Spirit being involved. Go build someone up and be built up in the process. He who teaches learns. Always happens that way. But Mary goes there, and I'm sure she has some fear and questions, but she goes where she knows there's spiritual depth and to hang out and just minister one to another. That takes action, takes initiative to go and say, I'm not going to just sit here. I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do to continue to take these baby steps forward until the Lord brings these things to pass. Lastly, you know that in your Bibles there, it's probably listed as the Song of Mary. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it starts in verse 46, and Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Now her servant's heart and her worship kind of hand in hand here. And you can read the whole rest of it and you know that she exalts the Lord here and speaks of the character of God. But Jesus said in John chapter 4 that the Father was looking for true worshipers. True worshipers. Anytime we hear that, we know that there must be false worshipers, but the Father is looking for true worshipers. And he found one in Mary, didn't he? It wasn't at the worship service. This was just her and the Lord. Those who worship privately with the Lord certainly know how to come in and worship corporately. But he found a worshiper in her, and she worshiped in truth and in sincerity. Look what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul. See, that's deep, isn't it? That's the inner man or inner woman. Not just the lips. Now, what's in the soul should come out of the lips. But it's not just that my lips magnify the Lord, but my soul magnifies. See, that, that's what God looks at past the resumes. He looks at the heart. He looks at the mind. He looks at the soul. That's sincerity. That only happens spending time in the presence of God. Our soul is only really shaped by spending time in the presence of God. You can, you can shape the body in the gym. You can shape the body running. 
can shape the body eating, but you can't shape the soul doing those things. Those don't shape the soul. Now, they might be wise things that God has you to do to make sure that you're in better shape and things that, that's not the point, but those things in and of themselves do not shape the soul. It's the spiritual realm that shapes the soul. That, that our soul begins to connect like two magnets to the heart of God. David's heart of God was because he spent so much time alone with God. Wouldn't you agree? He wrote all those Psalms because he's out there in the middle of nowhere. Just him and the Lord talking. So you start to think like God. The more you talk with God, the more you'll start to think like him. And your worship will just be a reflection back to what he's already revealed. That's how she worships and giving the character of God. It's coming from the heart of God. How about us? How's our worship? How's our personal worship? Because there's no, no one else around. It's just her and the Lord here. Somehow Matthew finds out by the Holy Spirit about all this. But how's our worship? I've been praying a lot lately. Lord, I'm exchanging my worrying for worship. I, I, I pray that a lot lately. I don't know about you, but I worry about certain things. It doesn't do you any good. Time to worry, you have time to pray. I've mentioned that a few times. But also, if you have time to worry, you have time to worship. A prayer and worship can go, they do go hand in hand. They can actually be uh, exchanged one for the other. But, but worship, a lot of times, is just exalting the name of God. Just really saying, Lord, I'm going to praise you. And that's what she does here. She magnifies the Lord. And we have to, like the Nike slogan, just do it. Right? We don't always feel like doing it. We don't always feel like worshiping. We always feel like complaining. We always feel like worrying. We always feel like doubting. We always feel like just kind of being a couch potato. Go down the list of things that will have no eternal value. You can look at them and say, well, nope, nope, no eternal value there, none there, none there, none there. Matter of fact, Israel got in a lot of trouble doing that one, complaining, complaining, yeah, that, that'll get you in hot water. That's this worship. Mary was so young, but her character was so strong. Wouldn't you agree? That those of us who've been around a while, why are we just figuring this out? Right? Let's look at Joseph. What about Joseph in our remaining time? Again, if uh, these are these character studies that we're looking at tonight, the starring roles, we'll look at some of the supporting cast next week Shepherds, Wise Men, Anna, Simeon. It's not meant to be an exhaustive study. I, I could write pages and pages of notes about each of these people. We don't have that kind of time on a couple of Wednesday nights. But hopefully, what God put on my heart is that we are applying these things. Not just a, I know a bunch of stuff about Bible characters, but that we actually instill, or God instills their character into our lives by us saying, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to that. I'm going to pray through that, commit to that. Respond to that. So what about Joseph? Turn back to Matthew chapter 1.
We went with Mary first, considering she carried Jesus. All right, so. But Joseph plays a role here, a big role, a complementary role. Now, Mary certainly has the most unique role, at least as far as women go, in all of biblical history. I think you'd agree Adam's role was pretty unique. First guy to ever appear on the scene. <laughs> Eve's role as a woman and as a mother, also very unique. She didn't have an earthly mother. Her and Mary had two roles that will never be duplicated again. One being the virgin birth, and then, of course, Eve coming from Adam. That doesn't happen anymore. But Joseph, he's unique in his own right, isn't he? He will be the only earthly dad that Jesus would ever have. Even though he's really not his biological father. He'd be the only man to confront the news that, oh, by the way, your wife is pregnant, but you don't need to worry about it. Uh, God did this. <laughs> you know? Especially when you're, you haven't had the honeymoon yet. He's the only man that's confronted with this news, and God's like, hey, but it's okay. What? You mean it's okay? How is it okay? How did this happen? It's a small town. I would, should know how this happened. <laughs> Probably had some suspicion. I know if I know God would do that. This reminds us out of the gate how we respond to the word of God, how we respond to the will of God, how we respond to the plan of God is a direct reflection of our trust in God. Joseph trusted God, didn't he? We already read the text. I'm not going to reread it because we, uh, we read verse 18 through 22 to start off. But it was no doubt reflected, this character, it was no doubt reflected in the work, vocation, every fabric of Joseph's life. If he trusted God, he could be honest as a carpenter, couldn't he? Honest as a tradesman. We wish all tradesmen were honest. We wish all business people were honest. We wish all salespeople were honest. All the, all the roles that are out there. But Joseph was, even if perhaps others were not. Why? Because he knew God was his provider. He didn't have to cut corners. He didn't have to monkey with the numbers, right? God was his provider. But whatever faith he already had would now have to be displayed or tested on a new level, wouldn't it? For Mary and Joseph, and for us too, our former steps of exercising faith, those are always God's way of laying the groundwork for new steps of faith. Don't be afraid. And the angel said, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. These new steps are going to be okay because you took the former steps. Moses, you've never gone this way before, that's okay but the way you have gone was always with me. So even though this is a new road through a new forest or a new desert, I got you. 
Joseph. Remember that time you, the deal went bad and you built the whole house and they wouldn't pay you? You wanted to go burn their house down? This is not in the Bible. I'm, it's just a, an example. Where is that story? I've never read that one before. Joseph did? No, he, to give an example. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We wish it were different, right? We wish we didn't have to have faith and still please God, but no, it's going to require faith. It's not easy, but it's going to require faith. Let's look at the six characteristics uh, that I've jotted down of Joseph's character. Again, these are not an exhaustive list, and we haven't even touched on other views of their life as when they get to Bethlehem and Jesus is born and all those other things that we just don't have time, but this gives you a snapshot of some of the character that we see in their lives. The first of these six for Joseph that I've written down is visible integrity. He's a just man, the text says, a just man. He was a man that believed in doing what was right. We talked about that Sunday from Ephesians 6. Given that Mary was pregnant, he could rightfully divorce her. Did you know that? He could rightfully divorce her under the law. But even though he could, he wanted to do it in a way that would cause her no shame. He could have caused her shame. Would have been entitled to that. But he wanted to do it in a way that would cause her no shame. By him doing it discreetly, he wants to protect his own name, and rightly so, and his own reputation. If you have a good reputation, don't you want to protect it? But at the same time, he doesn't want to ruin hers in the process. doesn't want to ruin her name, her reputation. Real integrity is always doing above and beyond what could be done. And Jesus would later talk about this. If someone compels you to walk a mile, how about you walk two? What? Why double? Right? Jesus was never telling the church, give as little as you possibly can. A little, as little of your time as you can, as little as your talent, as little as your treasure, just as little as you can possibly give. No, he said, no, expand. Learn to give beyond that. Learn to have the integrity that Jesus had. Joseph was a man of integrity. Number two, he had a compassionate heart. A compassionate heart. Minded to put her away secretly. Same verse there in verse 19. I believe Joseph displays a compassion for Mary and her family. And her family. Justice is right, but mercy and compassion are greater than justice. Justice is right. This is just. Don't pray justice. God, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. You pray, give me mercy, right? James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Understand that compassionate people have truly experienced God's compassion. 
When you meet a compassionate person, you can know that they've experienced God's compassion. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the man who is truly forgiven and knows it is a man who forgives. Forgiving people have received a lot of forgiveness. Of course, Mary's done nothing wrong here, but Joseph doesn't know that. See, love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover this. I don't even understand it. God, I, I thought I was being a good betrothed husband and all. I'm going to cover this anyway because I think it's your character. Remember, they both walked with God. They understood the character of God. Jesus would later have compassion on the multitudes, wouldn't he? He had that same heart of compassion. Number three, a loyal heart. A loyal heart, what do I mean by that? Well, Jewish marriage wasn't just the two individuals, of course it was, but it also bonded two families together. Joseph exhibits a loyalty, whether intended or unintended, to Mary's family too. Because this would have been really rough on their, their family. Just the stigma of it all. Oh, for people who are truly loyal to Christ and also loyal to one another. It's a lost trait among people, more and more in this day, to find loyal people. Loyal. Yes, it's okay for you to be loyal to each other. You should be loyal to each other in this room. You should. God's loyal. Loyalty. I'll stick by you through thick or thin. Some people say it, and some do it. Right? Isn't it great when you find people that actually do it? They really are loyal. They're not gone as soon as the first thing goes wrong. You had a loyal heart. Faith and believing. Now, that was in Mary's list too. They both had it. Verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Like Mary, Joseph hears the voice and counsel of God and simply believes. Brothers and sisters, we have to. To believe. That's why we have We Believe back there, just a reminder constantly. We need to believe. We need to believe what the Word says. We need to believe what God's telling us to do. We need to believe if He has a call in our life. We need to believe that we can be godly parents, as we talked about Sunday. We don't believe we can do it in our own strength, but we believe He is able. Through Him, all things are possible. That's what the angel actually told Mary. We have to believe. Fight every doubt in prayer and say to the Lord, Lord, I believe. Just keep saying it. At first, you might think you're faking it. It'll feel like you're faking it. Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe. Even the, member, the man said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, now help my unbelief. We can all relate to that, can't we? Because as it's going up, 99% of us is not believing this. Remember the first time I mentioned that to Sam Nadler, he's a mentor and you guys know Sam. And I said, Sam, a lot of times my belief part is like 1% my not believe is about 99%. He goes, that's faith. 
but which one are you clinging to? I said, using the 1%. There you go. That's not comfortable, but both Mary and Joseph had to exercise it. I don't know what this means. It's the middle of the night. You can't, you can't call a meeting in the middle of the night and say, hey, can I verify all this? Can I get everyone in town that could have insight to this situation? He wakes up. Was that a dream? Was that a really an angel? And he believes. He sets in motion. All right, I, I will continue in this betrothal process. Next point, takes action and initiative. Now that's also a characteristic we saw in Mary. And why is that important? Because in all believers God's going to use, there has to be faith and there has to be action. In action, remember Jesus comes as wicked and lazy servant. Well, I thought, you know, God said, I told you to take these steps. Joseph's faith results in action. Did as the Lord commanded, and he took to him his wife. Took to him his wife. All living faith takes new steps and puts new steps into practice of those things God has already commanded us to do. It's a living faith. It's going to take steps. It's going to take new steps. God's called us to a living faith, but the world can look and say, hey, I, you actually believe this. You're actually moving in that direction. You're taking in the initiative. I believe what the angel said, but I'm not going to marry you. Then the whole thing was a waste, right? Lastly, patient and with perspective. Don't we need that, right? Patient and with perspective. Now, we need God to give us perspective, and when he does, it helps us in the patience part, but we need perspective. God, help me see this the way you're seeing it. Verse 25, chapter one, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph recognizes that we're not entitled to the norm of things in life. We're not entitled to the norm of things in life. Well, everyone else gets it this way. No one else had to, uh, honeymoon should be immediate, Lord. Joseph could say, that, I don't know anyone else in town that's had to do marriage like this. We're not entitled to the norm of things. And the sooner we accept that, we can actually take some pressure off ourselves. We're not entitled to the way it always or normally is. That helps me when our septic tank is still sitting with a hole out there. That's not normal. This has taken a year. I could go on forever about this. But God says, you're not entitled to the way things normally work. Gotta be okay with it. But you know what? If we are okay with it, God will do really big things. The more we're okay with outside the norm. 
we're to graciously accept the will and the plan and the timing of God. The timing of God. At the outset, Joseph's only job here, his only job right now, as he said, all right, I'm going to take action. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, Lord. His only job is to lead and protect Mary. That's it. Just lead and protect her. Don't, don't touch her in any kind of romantic way. God says, that's off limits for now. You lead and protect. Well, you're going to find out someone really loves you, right? This matter. This is good premarital counseling stuff too, by the way. He had to love her selflessly. Selflessly. Never mind the rumors that are still probably going around and all that other stuff. All of this is in the background. And Joseph's like, okay, I'm going to wait this thing out in the Lord. What's God having you wait out right now? I'm sure there's something in this room that you're having to wait out. Perspective is seeing the bigger picture, isn't it? Seeing the bigger picture. The fullness of the marriage, it would come. It would come. But right now, the saving of the world is bigger. Jesus says, Joseph, you're going to have to hold off. And Mary too, like both of y'all, you're going to have to hold off on the fullness of the marriage because my coming in the world is a little bit bigger. A lot bigger. Right? Patience is a spirit-given spirit fruit and characteristic that I so want and need. How about you? More and more patience. Patience. You'll be surprised how many times what you're really dealing with is a lack of patience when you look at it. Sometimes it's covetousness. Sometimes it's just unbelief. But again, patience is, is a big one in there that we deal with. Joseph has to be patient. Mary has to be patient. All right, Lord, we're going to wait your timing. The whole thing's outside the norm. We're not entitled to the norm. We are entitled to access to you to get through the abnormal, the difficult. There's a proverb. Um, it's not a biblical proverb. Author on notes says, the weak man is impetuous, the strong is patient. The strong man is patient. Strong woman is patient. Christian, the fullness of God, it will come to those areas of our lives. Maybe it's not marriage. Maybe it is marriage in your case. Maybe you have to continue to do the little things we talked about in the marriage series, and the fullness of God will come to the marriage, whatever it is. Maybe it's healing of a family, bringing things back together. Maybe it's just some burden in your life. I don't know. But the fullness of God will come to those areas of our life, but we'll always first need to wait on the Lord in them. We'll have to wait on him. <laughs> he never does things according to our timing, does he? Maybe every now, once in a while. But typically, it's not according to our timing. But while we wait, let God build character in us like he did in Joseph, like he did in Mary. Well before this came, God was building that character. And you know they had other trials before this. 
wasn't the first time that they had dealt with things. Try living under the Roman Empire, right? I think our government's a mess, right? But while we wait, let God build that character. How? In prayer, in the word, worship. I thought you were going to give me something new and easy, right? No, it's the same stuff. The same stuff, the prophets and the apostles and the disciples, they, they had the same thing. They had to be in prayer, develop a prayer life, talk to God. Paul said, get to the place where you learn to pray without ceasing all the time, just talking to God everywhere. Learn from David. You don't have to be in a sheep field to do this. In his word, serving people. The best way to get our eyes off ourselves is to serve other people. Get our eyes off of us. Help somebody else. Christmas season, we got those bags that Reggie told you all about. Fill them up. Have fun filling them up. Don't put the worst food possible in it. Put good stuff in there, you know? Put Lucky Charms and stuff like that in there, you know? <laughs> stuff people want to eat. And some healthy stuff, too. Kids will love that stuff. Adults, too. But um, believing, we have to believe while we wait. Again, you might have to feel like you're faking. Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I, now help unbelief, I believe again, I believe. Whoops, I'm back to unbelief. Help me be patient, Lord. Help me see needs. Help me cover sins instead of exposing them. Right? Help me to be a, a loyal person that's really there. I can be counted on when people need me. I, loyal. All of these things. Mary and Joseph, they were just like us. They're not any different than us. They weren't super special. But they were yielded to God. And God, by his grace, looked at them and they made themselves ready and God made them ready. That's what you and I have to do. I showed, I can't remember, someone in the house, an illustration. I took an empty cup. I said, this cup in our house. I said, this cup can be filled. It has to get under the spigot. We have to put ourselves in the place. Now, it's not that the cup can't be filled. It just has to be in the right spot. It's not that you and I can't be filled. We just have to be in the right spot. And God's told us how to get in the right spot. Believe, pray, study my word, admit your faults, confess your sins, ask for my help. And as Peter found out, you can walk on water. Really? Yeah. Jesus said, get out of the boat. You're kidding, right? You asked. Go ahead. Do it. How much more God wants to do with us than we really, really think. Amen? There's a lot of Joseph Mary moments God wants to do in the body of Christ that we're holding it up because we think, oh, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. But they were yielded. Well before the supernatural plan of God was revealed to them, they were readying themselves for something that God would do. Are we readying ourselves, you personally, your spouse, this church, are we readying ourselves by getting the cup under the spigot before the spigot ever comes on? That movie, Face, Facing the Giants, remember a few years back? They're praying for rain. 
But as you pray for him, you still got to plow some fields and get them ready. So you got to plant some seeds. And I believe that Joseph and Mary were doing that in their life. And are we preparing now for a great work of God to come? The little steps of obedience, the little steps of application is all it requires. As I talked about Sunday, Dr. Stanley says all the time, we, we just go ahead and do our part and trust God for the results. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the one that will ensure that your will will be accomplished. Our job is to make ourselves available. Our surrender is genuine. Our hearts are set on you. And Lord, you will change us, transform us, and ready us for places we've never gone before, in a way we've never gone before, but you'll give us a strength we've never had before. And we ask, Lord, that each and every one of us, you'd cleanse us of our unbelief, of our impatience. But Lord, form this character in us that you did in Joseph and Mary, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.